this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, it's great to be with you uh, today and share this uh, talk with you. We've been going through a series called um, Flawed but Faithful, and um, I'm going to share today with you uh about someone who, from Scripture who I've always been fascinated with, and that is Jonathan, the son of Israel's first king, Saul. And um, you may not know a lot about Jonathan. You've probably heard the name and maybe you know the story, but if not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a little bit with you and tell you why I find him so fascinating. Uh, partly because, or mostly because, he found himself in the middle of what we might call a toxic relationship. Um, and, and was caught in the middle between his father, who was the king, and his best friend, who was David. And I'll go a, a little bit more into the details in a moment, but I thought I'd share with you what the definition, what the, the standard definition of a toxic relationship is. And let me, let, me just, let me just read this for you. So a toxic relationship is one that makes you feel unsupported, misunderstood, demeaned, or attacked. A relationship is toxic when your well-being is threatened in some way, emo either emotionally, uh, psychologically, or even physically. So that's a big definition, and maybe there's no one in your life that you feel is that way. But from time to time, we always have to deal with people who we have difficult relationships with. And so, um, I'll, to be honest with you, I haven't found a lot of flaws in Jonathan, but I, I do think he lived in a flawed world. And we all live in a flawed world. And so I think it's relevant for, for our uh, theme and our, our series uh, this summer. I want to start by making a statement. You're probably going to go, well, that's not really news. But here's the statement. We live in a real world. By that I mean this world uh, has real joys and it has real hurts. There are good things that are real, and there are bad things that are real. And, and I make that point, and you may think, well, that's, that's pretty obvious. But I, I think sometimes in the Christian context, we, we lose track of the fact that God works through real people in real circumstances, and some of them are very, very difficult. Um, we, we can um, sort of get this idea that God is a, like a magician, and we just pray, and we ask him to do things, and he snaps his finger and this person changes or that circumstance changes. And, and I would be the first to tell you I believe God does intervene in circumstances miraculously. Uh, but I would also probably qualify that to say it's not, it's not the norm. We see him do it. We read accounts. And I've, I've experienced God's miraculous intervention. But it's not every day. And most of the time, God works through circumstances and people uh, real people making real decisions to lead us, to guide us, and to, to, to help us move forward in life and to see his purposes achieved. If it was just a matter of God snapping his fingers, I think he would have done that a long time ago and got rid of all the problems in the world. Uh, but he wants to work through us. And so when I say this world is real, uh, we, we need to kind of get in that understanding that, that God desires to work through us to bring change even in those really difficult and what might even be toxic relationships. Um, problem with these relationships is that they're often with people that we just can't remove from our lives. Uh, in 
Jonathan's case, and we'll look at this in a moment, it, it was his father and his best friend. These are not people you just walk away from and say, I don't have anything to do with you anymore. These are people who were part of his life and had brought value into his life, and yet there was some difficulty there. And so let's look at this story a little bit closer. Um, just to bring you up to speed, and I'll fix my notes here a little bit so they're not moving around. Um, if you remember, Saul, King Saul, was the first king of Israel. And we won't go into that story uh, in detail, but we do know from Scripture that Saul was, first off, he was a big man. Uh, the Scripture talks about him being head and shoulders above all the other men. So he was a tall, big, imposing man. But we also know that as he was first uh, chosen and, and God engaged with him to be king, he was quite bashful and backward about being king. And it took some time for him to be able to kind of accept that role. And in the early going, he was quite a valiant king. There were some great victories. He brought some unity and uh, purpose to, to uh, the nation of Israel. And he had three sons, the first one being Jonathan. And we, we, we see Saul as this king uh, who's kind of learning on the job. And the first, the, we, we also see Jonathan's, some accounts giving, given Jonathan, who was one of his, one of his, uh, you know, main officers. There's an account of Jonathan with his armor bearer uh, going out one day and really picking a fight with the enemy of the day, the Philistines. Uh, again, I wish we had time to go into the story, but basically went out with his armor bearer and said, you know what, let's go out and just poke some, at the, poke the bear, so to speak and see what happens. And, and the, the story goes that Jonathan did this, and it, it started a, a, a really a rout of the Philistine army that the, the, uh, the nation of Israel was able to gain a great victory. And so Jonathan was, a, all, in his own right, a, a warrior of renown. He was respected by uh, the soldiers, the army. And then we see this, uh, as we move through the story, we see uh, this young man come along, and you probably are familiar with Goliath, the story of David and Goliath. Well, we see Jonathan and David meeting in this story. And again, if you know the story, David uh, goes out and he does battle with Goliath, this giant that uh, was challenging the armies of Israel and has a great victory, uses a stone and a sling. He's just a young guy, um, probably a teenager, and he beats Goliath. Uh, and, and there's an interesting account, and all of this takes place in the book of 1 Samuel, where Jonathan, the, the scriptures just simply say that Jonathan and David became one in heart. They connected. They became, they became best friends. They became committed to each other. In fact, made covenants to each other to support each other. And so all that is a background to what eventually happens when David begins to be more and more successful in Saul's army. Saul sends him out and he has victories and, and he, he's successful at everything he does. And there comes this point in time when uh, the, the armies are coming back and they're, they're being uh, paraded back and the women of the city are singing, you know, David has, uh, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And there's that moment in time where Saul takes offense at the success of David. And that begins a story of a downward spiral of Saul being suspicious of David, recognizing that he may be the future king. There's, again, sorry, I wish we had more time to go into the story, but this 
A fence that Saul takes leads him down the path where ultimately he begins to seek to kill David. And uh, he, he plots this, he pursues him. There's, there's this lengthy ordeal, actually takes over a course of years, where Saul is, is pursuing David to kill him because he's so threatened by him. And so if you can think about this, put yourself in the place of Jonathan, who is a loyal uh, officer of the, of the army of Israel. He's also the son of the king. Uh, and his best friend is the man who his dad, the king, is, is actually trying to kill. And so there's all of these, these accounts of Jonathan working to try and bring some peace, uh, to try and help David and Saul reconcile, to support David and honor, but honor at the same time, honor his father. And so I don't know if you've ever had an experience like this. Probably not. I, don't, I hope that no one's ever tried to physically kill you. But probably all of us in some way have had a relationship that goes bad or have been caught in the middle of a relationship that has gone bad. And you're trying to honor both parties. You're trying to work. It's not easy, is it? It's difficult. It's challenging. And I find in this case, uh, Jonathan demonstrates some things that I think we can learn from as, as people uh, who, who have to navigate what I already said is this real life that has real relationships, real challenges, real joys, uh, and that God wants to work through us and in those, in those relationships. So again, let's put ourselves in Jonathan's position. He is, he is the, not only the king's son, he's the heir to the throne of Israel. And he knows this. He knows that David, uh, his best friend, who he has you know, sworn a, a, in a covenant relationship with, um, has also been you know, anointed to be king because his father has been rejected. And again, if we read through the book of 1 Samuel, you'll see, you'll see this story unfolds. And I, I try to put myself in the place of Jonathan. And, and how, do I, how do you navigate this? How do you stay loyal to your friend and loyal to your father? Uh, retain your relationship with your father and also retain your relationship with your friend. Uh, it, it's an extremely difficult situation. And so Jonathan seems to be able to have navigated this. And, that's, and I, I started to look at Jonathan's life and say, okay, well, well, what were the qualities? What were the things about his life that, that seemed to help him navigate it? Now, first of all, I want to say it didn't necessarily change the circumstances. It seems as though Saul carried this grudge and this, this uh, vendetta against David for the rest of his life. And yet, Jonathan, we, we know, spent the rest of his life serving with his father, but also being loyal to his friend David. Let me, let me give you a couple of observations about Jonathan that seem to make sense to me. And I, I think the scriptures would teach us as we, as we look at his life. First, Jonathan, for me, is someone who I would call a balcony dweller. What do I mean by that? that he lived his life at a higher altitude. He saw the circumstances around him, not through the lens of how do I get what I want? How do I, you know, make my life easy? How do I make my life safe? But he saw his life from a different altitude, being able to see further down the road and recognize there were bigger purposes than just his own wants 
and his own needs, and in fact, even his own birthright, even the thing that he was entitled to, something that helped him rise above and see, see life through a different lens. And I, I believe, in many ways, that's what we are called to as followers of Jesus, is to get up on the balcony, see the world around us from a different place, from a different altitude, and you know what it's like. Maybe you've done this uh, in a city, if you've ever visited uh, the CN Tower or the Empire State Building or a tall building in a city or climbed a mountain. You get up there, and the whole point is to get up there, not to say I climbed it or I got there, but to, say, to look out and see what you see. And obviously from those altitudes, from the, that height, you see the world differently. You see further down the road. You see all of the things that are interplaying below you so that you can actually understand them better. And that's, I think we are, as God's people, are called to live at that altitude, to be able to understand the world around us, not, not to be frightened by it, not to be, you know, to, to kind of put up the barricades and, and push it out, but to be able to understand it better and see how do we influence the circumstances of our lives uh, and the lives of those around us. And for me, Jonathan did this. He understood it. He, he was willing to give up his birthright in order to see David, who he felt was the legitimate heir to the throne. He understood God's sovereignty in that process. We also see that Jonathan had a, a noble character. Um, he, he was humble uh, and to the point where he could put his own interests, not forget his own interests, but put them second to a bigger purpose. That's not an easy thing to do, and particularly in a world where we are, seem to be groomed to get all that we can and not really worry about what does it cost other people. Um, and so he, by doing this and having this kind of character, he was able to not allow himself to get entangled in the vendettas, in the, in the anger, in the pursuit of getting what he wanted. And so, again, I think that same calling is on our lives to be able to engage in the world around us um, with humility, with self-forgetfulness, not self-abandonment, just self, we're not, our, our primary motive is not to get what we need and want, but to see, God, how can you use me in this circumstances? Because my experience has shown me, and I think you might agree with me on this, is that when I do that, I get what I need. I do. I get what I need. And that's really the promise that Jesus made us. If we seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness, everything else that we need will be added to us. And so I believe Jonathan, even before, you know, this is, this is hundreds of years before Jesus came on the scene. He was living this out in real life. The other thing I see in Jonathan is that he valued relationship um, above position and power. And that's maybe easy to say, not so easy to do when we feel we're entitled. And so we, we see that being played out in Jonathan's life on numerous occasions where even though he had position, even though he had power, he was willing to put the relationship he had with David and the relationship he had with his father at a higher level so that he could, he could try to mediate and be uh, a help in bringing, those, bringing his friend and his father together. And I, the last thing I see here is that he was loyal. Um, and, but loyal not just simply to his dad or not just simply to his friend, but to both. Um, you, you're probably familiar with the saying, you know, blessed are the peacekeepers. Um, sorry, the peacemakers, not peacekeepers. 
Um, there's a difference. Because, and Jesus, this is one of the Beatitudes that we know from Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And I see Jonathan working. And again, if you read the account, you see how he tried to reconcile David and his father. Um, somewhat unsuccessfully, but he, he still attempted it. Um, and so here's, here's the thing that it stands out to me even more so. Jonathan, uh, do, in doing all this, had no success. We see this enmity between David and er, between Saul towards David, really throughout the rest of the story. And he kind of said, "Well, he should have given up. What, you know, what's the point, God? Why didn't you work your magic and bring reconciliation?" Well, here I go again. This is a real world. Saul made real decisions. David had to make real decisions as a consequence. Jonathan had to make real decisions also in that in-between place. And so the reality is that in all of life, in all of the things that we do, there are going to be things that, that simply don't work out the way we thought they would. Relationships that for one reason or another, a person decides they're going to hold on to this grudge or not reconcile or whatever. That's challenging, I know, and it's difficult. But what's important in all this is that we function in a way, that we act in such a way that we, um, one, position ourselves and position others for reconciliation, uh, to bring restoration. And even if, we, even if that person chooses not to, we still have retained our honor and our dignity in that process. Because the worst thing that possible in this circumstance would be for David or Jonathan to stoop to some of the level that Saul had and begin to look towards, you know, somehow to get back at each other. And we, I, I have to think that Jonathan, in this whole period of time where Saul was pursuing David, Jonathan is a tremendous uh, coach and example to David and how to conduct himself. Um, we see David on, this, on at least two occasions where he had in his power the ability to kill Saul, um, and he didn't. He chose not to. He chose the path of, of reconciliation, even though it was ultimately rejected. And so let, let's, let's um, kind of wrap this up. And my, I want to start by just simply asking you the question, are there people in your life who you're about ready to give up on, or who you are you are you know are, are at the end of your rope with, and or that have just created a difficult uh, environment. Maybe it's a, a family member. Maybe it, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's maybe it's a coworker. Uh, but someone who you just can't snap your fingers and remove from your life. They're there, and you often have to deal with them on a daily basis. Um, I hope that in just giving some consideration to what we've just looked at, that you might take a fresh look at that relationship and, and see how you can invest in, those, in that relationship to bring about restoration, to bring about reconciliation, to not allow yourself to digress to uh, taking steps and actions that are going to be harmful both to you and to them. This is a messy world, and, we, and sometimes relationships can be very messy. And so... I want to ask you to think about something here, and this is a, a little tidbit I've, I've kind of gleaned from my friend C.S. Lewis. I use him sometimes as an example. He talks about this in, in uh, one of his books, and, and maybe you've never thought of this, 
every day you rub shoulders with immortals, people who will live forever. You're one of them. And the reality is nations pass away. Even the earth will pass away. Even the, 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 they're temporal. But the people that we engage with, the people we live with, the people that we work with, the people that we, we bump into in the line at Tim Hortons, these are eternal souls that God has created. And part of that idea of living on the balcony is recognizing that all of these people are precious to God. And so I want to challenge you and, and encourage you, if you're in one of those relationships where things are going badly, where there's a history, a long history of difficulty, maybe even of uh, vindictive behavior, things that have just been, you, you, you find hard to excuse or forgive, yeah, you know, uh, you're, not, you're not alone in this. Everybody probably has one or two people, hopefully not more, where that's the case. And so I want to, again, I want to ask you to consider how, maybe to reevaluate and see how can I, how can I reach out? How can I restore? How can I at least place, position myself to not add further harm to the relationship? Because I believe that that's what Jesus would want of us. In fact, he talks about it in Matthew 6, where we, we're, we're called to be those peacemakers, where we are, are called to forgive and to show grace. And if we're compelled to walk a mile, go two miles. I wish we had time to unpack that a little more, but I think you get the point. And so let me, let me just wrap this up by praying for us, because of all the things in the world that cause us problems, that cause us concern, that maybe keep us up at night, probably it's some of those close relationships that are not going well that, that put us in that place the most. So let's, let's just commit this to God. Father, we, we pause here at the end of looking at the life of Jonathan, and such a remarkable story of someone who got caught in a no-win situation to support his father meant he would be uh, putting his friend, his best friend, at arm's length. To support his best friend would be the same to his father. And so you gave Jonathan this ability to be loyal to both, to navigate these tricky circumstances, and to retain his honor and his dignity right to the end. Um, and, and so, God, I pray that as we think about those who we're in relationship with, and maybe those relationships are difficult, maybe they're messy, maybe they're filled with hurt, maybe, maybe we're at the point and we're, or even have decided, I'm giving up on this. There's no way this is ever going to be restored. No way this can ever be right. I pray that you just give us that nudge to say, let's, let's pause, let's slow down, Let's think about this. What can we do that, God, you would plant in our hearts things that we can do to do, if nothing more, to offer a, a hand of peace uh, to that person that maybe we're in, in that difficult relationship with. And, Father, if we've been the cause of some of that, that you'd open our eyes and let us see what we've done. Uh, this, is all about, this is all about being like you. And so I pray that even as we consider it and maybe some names, some people have popped into your mind as we've been talking and praying, that you would see them through a different lens, that you'd see them from a different height, and that all of us would, would learn how it is that you desire us to engage with each other in such a way we, we bring peace, we bring grace, we bring life back into what could be considered dying relationships. Lord, I thank you that you're the kind of God who's concerned about this, and you give us lessons and show us ways to do this. And so we're, we're grateful for that. And ask God again that you would help us.
as we navigate life in a flawed world and do it with faith. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. our podcast today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris. Our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, We have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.